Upcoming in this episode of Life Leadership and the Pursuit of Greatness, we spend time with Dwayne Orr talking about how to develop purpose in your players. We discuss the meaning of continuous improvement, getting out of your comfort zone, and creating meaningful real-life experiences to leave a legacy as a leader. We can't wait to get started. Here we go. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Life, Leadership, and the Pursuit of Greatness. We are excited to be uh, in conversation with Coach Dwayne Orr. He is a longtime teacher, coach, administrator in the state of Iowa, has tons and tons of experience. We're just thrilled that he's taken time uh, to meet with us and give us his thoughts. Uh, first off, Coach Mathis, how are you today? Doing excellent. Even on a, on a rainy day, can't dampen the spirits, and uh, we're ready ready to go and excited to be That's here awesome. today. Coach Orr, welcome, and thank you for being with us. Well, it's it's a it's a thrill. I'm 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 really humbled that uh, you've asked me to contribute, and I'm looking forward to having a uh, a good conversation with you and Coach Mathis. Well, this is going to be great. Now, we're going to be discussing how to develop purpose in players today. Uh, but before we dig into that, Coach, you've had obviously a wealth of experience. Would love to know how you specifically define and look at leadership. Well, I that that's just a a, a really uh, a broad topic, Coach, because uh, leaders in in my mind can come in many different shapes and forms. There's not a uh, just a singular blueprint or a cookie cutter type version of what a leader is. But uh, I think when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, I think leaders are able to elicit the the very best out of out of the people that are around them and. Uh, uh, for, for, you know, the different, different folks, uh, respond differently to different techniques. But, uh, I think a master leader is able to identify, uh, which buttons work and, and which buttons don't, and they're able to get the best out of the folks around them. So coach or when you're talking about leadership, uh, do you have to, I mean, does everyone have, in your opinion, does everyone have to be a leader? I mean, do you want to build those leadership traits with them? I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to expand well, upon that. I, I, yeah, Coach Mathis, I really think that leadership is something that, uh, that uh, is, is, is fluid. And uh, uh, it's, it's uh, I, I, just through my experiences, I've seen people rise uh, in, in certain occasions uh, who, who you'd never really think uh, uh, as maybe a team leader or a community leader, but uh, a given set of circumstances arises and suddenly uh, this person uh, has done something or said something or inspired someone and, and suddenly they're, they're in a, a leadership role. And, and I'd like to think that uh, in our interscholastic athletic programs, uh, they're a means to an end. They're they're not an ends. Uh, uh, they're they're it's a process, and there's a reason why we operate our athletic departments, uh, all of which I, I I think operate in the red uh, at the end of every budget year. Um, but there's a reason because it's such a unique laboratory to develop leaders, and I think it's got to be a part of every effective program. Yeah. So, coach, can you just give us a um, 
oh, I don't know, the two-minute version of kind of where you've been and the stops that you've had. Uh, I know there's a lot uh, there, but I, I think it would help give us some perspective as as to, um, you know, where you are right now. Yeah, sure. I I, I, I appreciate that. I, I uh, started my, my teaching and coaching career uh, where I graduated from. I was very fortunate to graduate uh, uh, from Columbus Community High School back in the early 1980s, and it was uh, during the run of of a pretty sustained period of excellence uh, uh, in that in that uh, school district, and uh, was able to come back after my uh, collegiate career at, at UNI. I played baseball there at UNI, and uh, once I retired, my high school principal offered me my first job, and. Uh, I was there for 11 years and uh, just some amazing memories, some great times. And uh, from from there, I had an opportunity to uh, move on to Scrappage Kennedy, where I uh, was invited by Coach Don Knock to uh, uh, join that football staff. And I, and I had an opportunity to work as a high school guidance counselor there at Kennedy. And then that opened the door for... Uh, uh, for my first experience as a head football coach uh, out in Council Bluffs, Iowa, at Lewis Central High School, uh, who's been on an amazing run here uh, recently, and, and some coaches that uh, I had the opportunity to work with there that are still there, that I've had a lot of fun following their success. And then uh, I came back to Eastern Iowa. Uh, Council Bluffs was a long ways away from my family, and uh, also we've got a little cabin down on the Mississippi River that uh, we wanted the kids to be able to experience growing up. And so came back to Eastern Iowa and worked at uh, Mount Vernon High School for 11 years. I was a guidance counselor, uh, my first administrative job uh, there, as well as an assistant football coach and then ultimately head football coach. And I was there until taking uh, uh, the the assistant principalship and athletic director job uh, at at uh, Excelsior Middle School in the Linmar District there. So uh, uh, I was uh, kind of the, the bridge uh, opportunity that I had at the end of my Mount Vernon years as as well as the, the first couple of years I was at Excelsior. I had an opportunity to serve uh, Cornell College as a linebackers coach and work with Coach Brodigam and his staff for, I was there for four years. And so I've been retired for a couple now, just been a full-time dad and fan in the stands, but uh, we'll always uh, have, have football in my blood. That's great, Coach. Um, you know, leaders help those underneath them, you know, have a purpose, but it's vital to have your own purpose, you know, and so I was hoping that you could uh, kind of ex- expand on that. Why is it important that they have their own purpose? And then I was actually, you know, intrigued to hear what your purpose is. Yeah, well, uh, my coaches, my my purpose remains the same, Coach Mathis. Uh, I, I just want to uh, impact others and, and uh, support them and, and try to help uh, everyone around me uh, be their best version of themselves. Um, you know, I, I uh, my, as as a young coach, I was so impressionable, and I just soaked up everything that I could from from some of the true masters. Uh, of Iowa high school football. And, uh, you know, I'd have to start with my, my own high school coach who I then served for, for 11 years as an assistant. Warren Wepking was, uh, just a huge influence in my life. And he had a, a right-hand man, a, a top assistant by the name of Lyle Clark. And, uh, 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 I, I just, those two guys, I just learned, uh, 
so much about the game of football, uh, but also just how to uh, deal with people and how to relate to people, how to relate to players. And, uh, you know, I think every coach that I've had the opportunity to work with, uh, serve under, uh, I just tried to take the, the, the things that were their outstanding attributes and apply them to my own, my own life. Um, uh, coach Knock was an unbelievable motivator and uh, tremendous passion for the game. Um, when, when I took my first head football job, uh, Steve Padilla uh, was my athletic director, and he was he's actually the, the longtime Hall of Fame head coach there that I replaced, and uh, he was a terrific mentor there and, and just uh, so impassioned. I think, I think Bleeding Blue is still the battle cry there at Lewis Central High School, and I, I think that can be traced back to Coach Padilla and his influence there. Um, I had a, a, an excellent assistant coach there uh, who's now their defensive coordinator, Chris Hannafin, um, who just had an unbelievable ability to connect with kids. And I just uh, uh, admired his ability to uh, inspire kids and to recruit kids and to get them involved, get them bought, bought in. And then, uh, uh, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention to Coach Brodigam, who's just recently uh, moved on from his position at Cornell College. Um, uh, the, the, the guy uh, uh, just was uh, in, incredibly emotional and, and connected with his players uh, far beyond uh, the, the, the practice field or, or the game field. He was an impactful person. And uh, he, he, his battle cry was, you know, find a way, find a way. There's excuses all over the place. We'll find a way. And that's really resonated with me. And Coach, to, to bring that full circle, you know, I've just tried to take everything that I've learned from all these great, great persons, uh, great coaches, uh, great family members, uh, uh, great Christians, and uh, and just apply it, uh, apply it to my own life so that I can impact others. So, so really, <clears throat> Coach Orr, what you're saying is that to become a, a strong, influential leader, you've had to follow along the way. And you've had some great leaders that you've been able to step in the shadows of, if you will, and come out to develop your own your own philosophy, your own career. Yeah, you know, I, I think if you're if you're very intentional about your opportunities, and and uh, if you go into those opportunities, you know, uh, trying to learn, trying, try, never, never. I don't think I ever thought that I that I had all the answers. I I was always on a journey to try to improve and, and learn something more. Um, you know, it was through my experience at Columbus that I that I came into uh, contact with a person who became a big influence in my life. Um, I, I was happy to uh, serve with uh, Coach Ed Thomas uh, on the Iowa Football Coaches Association Board of Directors. Um, you know, I just one of the most legendary high school coaches I think you'd find you, throughout the entire country. And uh, I coached against him twice in the semifinals uh, as an assistant coach when I was at Columbus. And, and of course, he had tremendous talent, but uh, but he was also a small town guy. And uh, I just admired how he ran his program. So when I got my my first opportunity at Lewis Central, I called up Coach Thomas and uh, and asked him if I could come up and visit with him. And, uh, you know, I think that really opened the door through that, through our, our work together on the Football Coaches Association. And then, of course, uh, you know, through the tornado that they that they uh, suffered there in, in Parkersburg. Uh, you know, I, I just really uh, uh, tried to, to, to soak things in from him as well. And 
And the reason I brought him up is because I, I think it's important as a leader to be, uh, you know, purposeful in trying to present opportunities. If we're if we're truly about uh, uh, creating leaders and 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 good citizens and and good husbands, I think I think it's important for coaches to create real life opportunities, not just talk about those things, but to actually create opportunities where where they can do those things and. One of the most memorable memorable things I ever did as a, as a head football coach is I, I took a busload of kids up to Parkersburg and assisted, uh, met with Coach Thomas as we arrived into town, and, and he put us to work in a couple different places in town, lending a hand to some some uh, uh, some some neighbors in need uh, during that time. So I think just you know just trying to be real purposeful and uh, and intentional and in trying to create those opportunities for our kids. I think that uh, that's pretty special, the fact that obviously you've had probably some pretty incredible moments throughout your career. But one of the things that stands out to you is nothing really to do with the game of football. Uh, it's it's taking a bus full of kids up to Parkersburg to, you know, serve a community that they really had no ties to. But it was it was pretty important to do. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, you know, in in you know, just kind of reflecting and processing on the way home on the bus. Uh, I, I just know, I, I can remember one of our players, it was actually his birthday, the, the day we went. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, that he thought it was necessarily the greatest way to spend his birthday when we first left, uh, left town to go up. But, uh, you know, I know in that conversation on the way home, I know what an impact it made uh, because, uh, one of the places Coach Thomas had us go was to an elderly couple's home. Uh, th- their entire house was in their basement. Uh, we were we were desperately searching for some prized belongings through all that rubble. We completely emptied the basement of uh, all of the debris. We never did find those uh, uh, those real uh, valuable items, uh, you know. But uh, but the the couple that that we were we were trying to help there they were so grateful and so genuine in their appreciation that we were there to help and i just know it made a big impact well you when you and i were first talking about you know getting on this podcast and you were very intentional about putting thoughts down on paper about how you develop purpose uh in the people that you work with and you you've given us a really strong example here um or a couple of really strong examples, but what other ways do you develop uh, that type of unselfish servant leadership uh, desire to grow better purpose in people and in the players that you've worked with and the coaches you've worked with? Well, one of the things that, uh, that I, I think was a real highlight of, of uh, my ended up being uh, 30, 32 years in coaching. Um, but uh, as a head coach, I, I, uh, I enjoyed multiple times of taking my teams actually off off campus uh, for our uh, preseason football camp. Uh, there, there are some there are some uh, awesome places uh, far and wide, and uh, there were some things that that uh, that I included in those experiences which were really meaningful. I, I guess I would. Uh, you know, the first the first time I did this, it was a big risk because it was actually, you know, com, you know, take, taking kids out of Council Blessing. And I'm pretty sure there were there were a few kids that had really never been anywhere before, never been, you know, kind of out of the home before. 
And uh, I found a Boy Scout camp over uh, in 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 uh, Nebraska. It was uh, in Cedar Bluffs, Nebraska. It was called uh, Camp Camp Eagle, and they had a high ropes challenge course there. They had they had cabins that that we stayed in, and uh, that high ropes challenge course was just an awesome experience. And uh, I can remember one player in particular. Um, who was uh, who was asthmatic and uh, uh, student uh, had some some uh, some issues with some anxiety and one of the challenges on this course was uh, probably about it I guess it was probably 20 feet up in the air it was just a telephone pole and there were spikes in the pole climbing spikes up to within about four feet of the top of it and and the the, the challenge was, and of course, you're secured in with a safety belt, and there are players on the ground with with safety, uh, uh, ropes. Uh, so it was a very controlled, very safe uh, exercise. But at the same time, what you had to do was climb up this pole and get to the top of it, and and then clamber up on on top and stand with both feet on the top of this uh, uh, on the top of this pole. And then there was a volleyball that they had tethered to a tree branch that was out away from the pole. And you actually had to jump off the top of this pole and, and hit this volleyball. And then your teammates would safely then lower you to the ground. And, uh, you know, trying to develop this uh, this all for one and one for all mentality and, you know, uh, no player left behind. And we're all in this together. I had this player that with with. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, with asthma and anxiety and, and he starts up this thing and, and he was a big uh, offensive defensive lineman kind of kid. And he got about two thirds of the way up and he started hyperventilating. <laughs> and I had to, I had to actually, uh, end up going up and, and, uh, and, and helping him physically, uh, back down to the ground. And the rest of the, the, the group, uh, the, you know, made it, made their way through this, this course or this exercise. And at the very end, then, uh, you know, they all kind of joined together and, and, uh, encouraged this player, uh, to give this thing another try. And it was just such a moment of growth to see those kids actually take, you know, what it truly means to be a teammate, uh, to, to help this particular player overcome a set of circumstances he was really uncomfortable with. And it was, uh, as you can imagine, the, the, the huge eruption, the roar uh, uh, of celebration when, when this player made it. He didn't actually get all the way to the top and stand on it, but he got up to the top and sat on it and, uh, and then just kind of fell off the top of the thing. But uh, I'll never forget the players and, and how they were responsible for helping that kid accomplish something that, that uh, mentally and, and even physically he wasn't able to do. Yeah, it's amazing. That's fun to hear. That's the stuff that gives you goose goosebumps, you know, when you see something like that. That's awesome. You know, I, 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 I tell you then a little bit later on that trip. And, and again, I modeled uh, several other uh, off off-site camps after the same things that we did there at Camp Cedars. But um, I asked all the players to grab uh, to, to at nighttime after we had eaten dinner. We t- I took a bunch of dads and, and uh, we, we grilled some pork loin had had a great team meal, and before we retired to the cabins uh, uh, for the night, I uh, uh, asked each of the players, without telling them why, I just asked them to bring a a twig or a stick, 
And, you know, as you might imagine, with a with a group of, uh, you know, 60, 50, 60 guys, whatever it was that we had, you know, some guys came carrying in, you know, uh, big, big sticks and other ones, you know, kind of had put it off and, you know, they're looking for something on the way to the to the fire pit. And uh, and, uh, uh, you know, w- w- I had kind of prepared some remarks ahead of time um, and, and, and had uh, just a little kindling at the bottom of, of, uh, this fire pit. And, uh, I, I started talking about fire and, and about, uh, you know, how it, how it can, how it can spread, um, how it can, uh, uh, you know, be, be very, very, uh, positive. It can produce heat it can pr- produce heat, warmth. It can be life-saving in, in some cases, but you know, if it's, if it's out of control, then it can be very destructive. And, and, uh, so it just kind of tried to tie it together some thoughts and and then I invited each player to take the piece of wood that they had brought uh to the, to the campfire and and actually speak a little bit about the upcoming season what it what it meant to them and as as you might imagine uh you know the seniors that were in, coming into their final high school season it was it was uh there were some very profound things that were said there was some really um, unexpected emotion uh that came about and of course, again, as as each player adds uh, their their firewood, you know the flame is is getting a little bit higher and higher. And I use that opportunity to, to, to again kind of draw in another life lesson about you know whether it's common fence row hedge or the finest of white oak. Every piece of wood has something to contribute to that fire and to what we're building here. And uh, so anyway, it ended up being a really powerful. Uh, 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 activity during that camp and after everyone went to bed that 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 next morning then I got up and I had taken a bucket and I actually scooped up some ashes and uh, again collected those without the players knowing and then right before right before the first game I brought that bucket of ashes out and reminded everybody what they'd said around that fire and then invited them to take uh, you know some of the ashes and uh, you know I gave them some directions I said I don't want any on your face and I don't want you know where it gets in your eyes but um, what they would do is they would take and, and uh, pick up smashes and, and put it on their socks or on their their game uniform and and uh, then I saved two chunks of coal uh, out of that out of that bucket and that became then the the the, the kindling for our fire for the very next year and I've still got the, that bucket of ashes oh, uh, <laughs> downstairs so you know again it's is trying to be real creative and trying to create opportunities for kids to really get inside themselves and and opportunities to become leaders and opportunities to impact and influence each other. You ready to go play football yet, Dwayne? You ready to put the pads <laughs> on? Let's go. I'll bring the ashes. Dwayne can't hear you. Hey. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, Coach, that's awesome. We've done some similar things um, at, at uh, my school where we we go to Camp Dodge. So very yeah. similar to uh, what your your scout camp that you went to. Uh, but one of the things that we did, you know, and obviously as technology has uh, increased, you know, everyone gets so wrapped up into their phones. Uh, when we got on the bus to, to go up there, I, I passed around a, a little bin and I said, all right, everyone, phones in the bucket. <laughs> kind of deal and you should have seen the 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 mere look of panic on their faces <laughs> that they'd have to uh you know deconnect technology wise yeah. uh 
uh, you know, for, for two and a half days while we were there. But, um, we did, we did the repelling wall when yeah. we were up there and, um, the coaches did it too. Well, most of the coaches, but, uh, you know, and I think the kids really love that to see the coaches get up there and, and do that just as much as, as their teammates kind of deal. But the reason that we did that is, uh, you know, we're all in this yeah. together kind of deal. And, uh, the other thing that we would do is we'd end the night with a, a team movie that I picked out that kind of tied into our theme that we wanted to kind of stress and talk about. And uh, this last year we had some, some, uh, you know, some poor choices made in the sense of, um, you know, alcohol and stuff like that. So this movie that we, we watched uh, was about a rugby team where a kid got into alcohol and drugs and made some bad choices in, it really wasn't intentional, but it because we weren't expecting this to kind of happen in our in our program, and but it, I felt like it was kind of you know higher power at work there to the, this lesson to be illustrated right in front of the kids and, and talk about some of those things. So you know, I, uh, just real powerful. Yeah, I, and I think just just getting those kids in a foreign environment, I think. Uh, really contributes to some of those really profound moments. Um, I took a couple of teams to, to Camp Dodge uh, uh, myself. In fact, uh, the first time I went, they still had the big fil- filtration pool. You know, they had a big, uh, in fact, it was the largest filtered swimming pool in the United States of America, if, if I remember correctly. Oh, wow. Uh, they subsequently closed it. I can't imagine what it cost to run it, but but uh, yeah, you know, when you've got kids assigned to the various uh, uh, barracks, you know, there at at at, uh, mm-hmm. at Camp Dodge or whether it be cabins at Camp Cedars, uh, uh, you know, wherever the case might be, I think when you get kids out of their normal environment, um, you had them turn in their phones. I think that's a stroke of genius. I, I think that, in fact, I think that's <laughs> essential, really, to really capture the experience yeah. you're trying to create. But, uh, yeah, I just encourage it. It, it takes a ton of organization, um, but, you know, but but we did it to to where it, it, it really wasn't terribly cost prohibitive. I mean, I think there's ways, mm-hmm. particularly given, you know, the, the fundraising opportunities that uh, that are that are out there now. Um, these are these are some of the best experiences that I, that I think any player could ever you know have uh, participating in, in high school sports. And so I'd encourage any anybody out there to, to, to really think about creating those kinds of opportunities for their kids. Well, and it really, like you said, it, it takes a village in the sense of we, we would tell our parents and we'd get donations and, you know, of like snacks yeah. to provide for, you know, the players and uh, different types of things. So, I mean, we had great parent support and um, you know, but it, my whole point of taking the phones away is like, look, you know, this is an opportunity for us to get you away from you know, family and other distractions. Yeah. And if we're going to have any, any chance of coming together as a team, you know, you need to interact with your teammates and, and, and not just your buddies, yeah. you know, and you, and take those distractions away from you them. Bet. Well, and, and I know that, uh, you know, I, I've listened to several of your other podcasts and the other outstanding, you know, legends of of coaching high school football. And uh, I think it was Coach Hadachek that, that was talking about his unity council and, you know, uh, the leadership of, you know, being uh, 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 divided up amongst the players and especially the seniors having 
a little bit more representation on that unity council. Like that's terrific. And, and if you do something like that off campus, you create that opportunity. If you partner some younger players uh, up uh, and put them e- either by position group or, or whatever with, with older players, again, it gives those older guys a chance to kind of influence those younger guys and, and create that continuity within your program too. And it really gives them a chance to essentially by default put them in a leadership role because those younger players will just naturally gravitate to them as obviously players that, you know, have been within the program. And, you know, so that's what we did in our program as well with our leadership council. And, and, you know, I often found some of our younger players sitting with our older players and help develop those relationships among each other. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right on. And I think that's, one of the signs of a real healthy program when you've got that. Uh, I mentioned those, those early years that I had at Columbus. I think we I think we won eight district titles in a row, and it really was, um, you know, uh, you, you could see the impact that older players, younger players really um, were hungry to follow those older players, and older players realized the, the their opportunity to have that kind of an impact, and it was kind of their their final go around, so to speak. And they wanted to leave a legacy, which I know coach level, you've talked a lot about in your Marion program. And so uh, I think these are great ways to accomplish that. Well, coach, uh, you know, high school kids can be finicky and, and that's probably making it uh, seem too simplistic. And, and, and probably a lot of times they are going through this process of, you know, being in a program, trying to find, uh, their spot, trying to find their role. And we talk about, you know, every player needs to have their why. Um, but a lot of kids probably don't know their why. So how, what what are some keys to a, to a young man developing that, that, that purpose? You know, what are some things that an individual person can jump in to try to do to find out what is my why? Yeah, I, I guess, I, you know, I think, Coach, I, I think we just have to kind of trust that uh, those things, they just kind of occur. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit about that uh, invisible, that economic phenomenon, uh, the invisible hand uh, th- that I can remember from uh, economics class back at UNI, you know, that 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 uh, I think when, when, when kids are put in... Uh, in a, in a program that's intentional, where it's more than just about going out in, 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 in a scoreboard on a Friday night, that it's more about relationships and it's more about experiences and, and, uh, and developing leadership. And then within the structures that you create and the opportunities you create, I just, I just think kids find their why. And, and, uh, I, I, I think that that uh, you know certainly I can reflect back as a player. Um, I can I can reflect back on some just really uh, capstone moments uh, uh, that uh, you just really couldn't plan for, um, uh, but but the, they occurred. And and uh, um, older players, um, guys that I just looked up to. I mean, you know, this was an era where you know way before cable television and and social media and, and our heroes were our local sports athletes. Uh, growing up, I, I, I emulated guys like, uh, like Rob Williams and, and Ronnie Orris and, uh, 
Dave Crooks. Uh, these are guys that, that I, I don't think you probably have ever heard of, but to me, they're giants. And, uh, yeah, I just, I studied everything from what they wore to, to the way they walked around town, the way they treated people, uh, the cars they drove, uh, you know, everything, uh, nothing went by unnoticed. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, am, am very blessed to have been surrounded, you know, from a very young age from, you know, with great people to, uh, to learn from and, and, uh, hopefully I've been able to impact some other folks along the way. Coach, what would you say, looking back at your different stops that you've been at, it, whether it be even as an assistant uh, or as a head coach, but one of the mo- most impactful things that you can do as a coach? Well, I, Coach, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, it, to, to me, you know, I just reflect back on 32 years of being around just truly, truly great kids. And, uh I think some of the most impactful things um, I recall, and, and I know this experience was really meaningful to the players that were involved, but uh, um, I was actually a, 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 a varsity assistant and, and a head fresh soft coach at the time. And we had one of our players whose father uh, passed away and uh, we had a huge rivalry game uh, later on that week with uh Coach Tom Stone, another legend of Iowa high school football, his Pekin Panthers. And uh, we at Columbus, we had some tremendous games, a, a tremendous series with them when I was there. And uh, um, this this uh, young man's father, unfortunately, uh, uh, passed. And uh, uh, I, I remember, uh, you know, trying to uh, – he, he, he was a part of just a really, really close class. I mean, these, these, there was a number of kids, unfortunately on the, in that group uh, who had lost some really close family members, parents. And so there was a, there was a bond there with those kids that uh, was, was pretty special. And everyone was really struggling to support this player uh, during this extremely difficult time. And, uh, uh, he made the decision uh, as the week went along that he was going to play, that that's what uh, he felt his, his uh, dad would, would have wanted him to do. And uh, uh, I think in response to the outpouring of support of his, of his uh, teammates, he wanted to play. And uh, so I, 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 I just remember that week of practice being, uh, you know, there was just a different purpose uh, because, Frankly, uh, you know, anytime we played peak and it was a toss up, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, games were very often decided by a point or two one way or the other. And, and fortunately, most of those went our way during that time. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, we we played the game and uh, um, uh, I don't recall the exact score. And in fact, at this point in time, it's, it's really irrelevant. I, I do know that we won the game. And uh, prior to the game, I had uh, brought along a little roll of black electrical tape. And uh, each player um, took about a two or three inch strip of this black electrical tape. And we put it over the, the sides of our, of our decals on our helmets. And uh, at the end of that game, get a little emotional even thinking about it now. But uh, at the end of that game, then we took the game ball and uh, every player took their uh, their tape off the side. I wrote the final score on it. 
we took the tape off the ball and then gave it to that young man. And I know that it's one of his most prized possessions to this day. And uh, I just read on Facebook uh, just this last week, uh, one of his teammates brought that up as the most memorable experience of his high school career. So, you know, um, it's wow. it's uh, it's it's those kinds of things, uh, perhaps more so than in individual games. I mean, I remember coaching in the in the state semifinals a couple times. Um, uh, unfortunately against coach Thomas and, and Parkersburg. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the wins and losses, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, at the time, that's what you're pursuing and that's what everybody's galvanized to try and pursue. But, you know, when you get to be an, an old, uh, an old codger like, like me, uh, you know, that's now removed, uh, from the, from, you know, the direct contact with uh, the sidelines on Friday nights, it's, it's those, it's the Camp Dodge, it's, it's Camp Cedars, it's the, it's the uh, standing outside the bus at Beacon of Packwood uh, after, after that emotional win. Those are the things that are most special to me. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I can only imagine how powerful uh, that moment was. And I can tell how special it, it was to you just uh, listening to you, you know, retell that story. Um, you know, I think that Looking back, some of the things that uh, we did, and I used to coach um, basketball at Mount Vernon. Uh, I was a sophomore head coach and was really honored to coach with Wes yeah. Bruns there, who's just a, oh, an outstanding, yeah. outstanding guy. But um, you know, as a head sophomore coach, uh, he kind of let the sophomores and freshmen kind of do their do their thing and and have some autonomy there. And uh, we we used to do uh, well. Number one, we had a player that lost their one of their grandparents during that season. Uh, but with the with the basketball team, it's a little bit easier to do that. And we used to we, we'd call it a circle. And we we started off, uh, and and that group was a pretty tight group anyway. Uh, but we went around, uh, you know, once or twice a week, we'd have the team just share something. We'd pick one of the teammates out, and we wanted them to share something what they appreciated or valued about that person, and. It really became a, a really special thing. At first, it, it you know, of course, there was that initial awkwardness, you know, when you have adolescent sure. young young men trying to share yeah. their feelings. But that's what we were, you know, trying to get them to do is just share their feelings and appreciation uh, towards one one another. And it really kind of started with uh, Jordan and the loss of his his uh, grandparent, and uh, you know, to kind of help uplift him. And but then we realized kind of how special of a thing that was for him and allowed it to to continue to grow and spread amongst the rest of them. And, you know, obviously with the football team, you have so many other uh, more players on a team. But, you know, I need to find a way to to make that accessible and relevant on the football team, because I just think that's just a really, really special moment that those kids shared with each other. Well, I think, I think you're right on. And, uh, and again, I, you know, there's certain, certain games because of the circumstances, uh, you know, perhaps the, the gravity of the game, perhaps it's a playoff game or something like that. Where, whereas as players, I think, uh, you know, 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years down the road, you're going to recall, but um, I'll bet that there aren't too many other scores or too many specific games other than those, you know, those, those big ones, that uh, that that person's going to remember, but they're going to remember that practice where they were the point of focus, where somebody was saying something about what they meant to them or about what they were appreciated about them. I think 
those are the things that those are the kinds of things that can can really stick with a person for a long a lifetime. I I would 100% agree with you, Coach, because it is those little moments, those finite moments that that define you. And I'll never forget when I was a freshman at Cornell, um, I I heard Steve Miller talk about you know we push you hard together, so you guys can you know you can be ticked at us as coaches. But you guys have to come together and work hard together. Uh, that's where that's where the magic happens. Um, and I never really understood that. I, I never got it until we had one of those practices, and it was one that was like, "We're never going to get off this field." It was yeah. <laughs> it was one of the most unbelievable things. And you know, you don't think you can do it. You don't think you can do it. You're crying to yourself and screaming out loud, and um, you get off the field. And you realize you survived and you survived with the guy next to you and he survived with the guy next to him. And then all of a sudden you feel really good about what you just did and you understand what the picture is there. And um, the moment that stuck with me about uh, and it wasn't a coaching moment. We were in the locker room afterwards and John Martin, who was a phenomenal Mount Vernon athlete, went down to Iowa yeah. for a year. Um, he was a defensive end for us. 6'4", 250, 260, uh, could dunk 360, throw a baseball yeah. 90 miles an hour, throw a shot put 65 feet. Yeah, he's pretty legendary around here. Pretty legendary. And we were sitting in the locker room, and uh, he had a big old dip in back when you could do that. He's like, <laughs> a real soft-spoken voice, you know, I'll tell you what, Timmy, you're going to be an All-American. And I just sat back, and I was like, what, what are you talking about? He goes, I just see the way you practice, and I know you got a big heart. You're going to be an All-American. I'm glad you're on our team. And I was like, holy smoke. Wow. Like, this guy is talking. Now, I didn't get to be an All-American, um, but uh, I, I certainly had a fun time playing at Cornell. And, and that moment was uh, very sealing for me in terms of S-E-A-L-I-N-G, um, in terms of solidifying why I was playing college football. And uh, that moment uh, encouraged me to stay with it uh, because he took the time to say something that he saw in me and I've never forgotten it. Now, I also remember when we were in practice and we were practicing against the option, we ran to 52 and he was an outside backer. What was an outside, what's a receiver do to that outside backer? They crack him. <laughs> you bet. And uh, I remember him saying to me, looked at me with a big dip in his mouth. He goes, they crack me. I'm going to crack you. That was all he said. <laughs> yeah. Any, anytime a receiver looked like he was running a slant, I'm going crack, 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 crack. Uh, you bet. He impacted me in two ways, right? But uh, that was uh, to me a very defining moment in my in my college career as a freshman um, that helped set me on the path for a lot of different things. You know. See, so. and, and 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 again. You know, we're in such a unique uh, position uh, to to be able to provide those kinds of experience in, in football and, and other other sports. I mean, I'm an athletic director, and so I try to be real careful that I don't show um, my my extra interest in the game of football. But but uh, surely, as football coaches, um, we have to understand that uh, you know there's no other laboratory like it. There's there's no classroom where John Martin could have had that kind of influence could, could have, could have made you feel the way that you did um, and raise your level of responsibility to, to, to him and, and the team. 
uh, th- than he than he did, you know, at, at Cornell playing football with you. I can only imagine how impactful that must have been to have someone with that type of resume saying that to you at that moment, Coach Lovell. Uh, it, it had to be pretty special. Yeah, it was uh, it was eye opening. Um, but it was, it was life-changing, um, for sure. You know, we talked about the other one with, you know, coach Sands earlier. Yeah, I was going to mention that. And uh, how, how impactful that was to me as, as you know, well, you better get your butt in gear type moment. Um, but again, those are, those happened when I was freshman too, you know, so that, you know, I had a lot of learning to do, you know, I thought I knew it all coming out of high school and uh, I certainly did not know what I was getting into fully probably until I was out. Those are great examples of what I was trying to refer to earlier about, you know, I, I you know, I think we we worry about, I, I think if we really uh, spend our efforts and energy creating that structure and, and the intentionality of what we're all about, and it's not just X's and O's. I, I don't recall, uh, it might have been Coach Hadachek again the other day uh, on your podcast, we said, you know, we're not having, you know, we're not have trouble uh, with, with, with uh, being able to teach the X's and O's with coaches being able to understand X's and O's and things of that nature where we're having a shortcoming in our country right now is, is, uh, is developing leaders and, 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 and student athletes who uh, have some resiliency factors that, that can go on then and, uh, and, and thrive in a, in a really, really tough, uh, tough world. So you know, this, this, this pandemic that we're all facing right now, I was just listening to the governor here right before we started the podcast. And, and I know this is going to air uh, a few days down the road. So this will be old news by then, but she's extended the school closures now uh, through April the 30th. And uh, boy, every day we we've got to be faced with, you know, what am I going to do today to get better? I mean, as coaches, that's kind of our that's one of our, our, our models is get better every day. Well, you know, you're kind of on your own now. And, and really, um, for the first time, I mean, this pandemic now has really leveled the playing field, you know, whether you're big school, small school, whether you've got a great weight room or uh, not such a great, great weight room, you know, it's kind of leveled out now and, and you're going to have to get better, you know, using your own inner drive and, and your, your hunger, uh, for, for, for getting better. And uh, so it's those types of resiliency factors that I think have got to be a big part of what, what you do with your football program. And you can't even really have, um, you know, players stepping up in the sense of getting workouts together or anything like that, because I mean, you're, it's just an irresponsible thing to do in this social distancing world that we live in now. Uh, you know, so it's, it it really falls, like you said, coach individually on that player to find that internal motivation or fire, like you mentioned earlier, that burns inside them to, to go out and do something that's going to make them, make them better. You know, you know, one, getting that 1% better each day, that's going to continue to allow you to grow. You know, I, I know you mentioned them a couple times earlier, and I know that I can tell this from the way that you speak of him there is a fondness for him but um i saw if you ever follow dome dynasty uh you know on twitter or, or social media uh, they had a, a clip and, and i certainly did not have the relationship with ed thomas that you did but they showed a, a clip of him after their first uh, i believe might have been their first game back after 
the tornado had wiped yeah. wiped them out. And um, you know, I just I missed that voice. You know, I missed that leadership that he provided, and because he, I mean, just the impact and legacy that he has left on so many people, and 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 honestly, people that he didn't even coach, right. but just you know, read his book or heard stories about him, and uh, you know, maybe it was uh, a player that went through his program now that has children of their own kind of deal, and so just a just a special special guy, and I'm I'm really glad that. Uh, you mentioned him and, and one of the things that always stood out about me and I realized just how special Ed Thomas was because I always knew he was a great coach. You know, I, he was coaching when I was in high school in Eastern Iowa at, at Tipton high school. And, but uh, you know, his, his funeral was uh, televised, uh, you know, at least the, the, on, on the news and in, in Eastern Iowa and to see how many people poured out during his funeral pr- uh, procession was just a, uh, uh, just an, an eye-opening experience to see like how many lives that he had touched in his life. Well, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I've still got Coach Thomas's number on my cell phone. I mean, it'll it'll be there uh, for, forever, mm. and that's wow. that's true of of all of the. Unfortunately, I've kind of entered into that phase of my life where uh, I've I've, uh, I've I lost a couple other really really important mentors. Uh, Bob Martin and Dick Peterson here these past uh, just these past few days. So I'm kind of entered into that phase of my life. I, I'd be re- I, I got to tell you a quick story about that that funeral uh, as well, Coach Mathis. Um, uh, because our players had uh, uh, we had a connection with Coach Thomas uh, through going up and assisting with that tornado uh, when that terrible tragedy occurred, and, and we lost Coach Thomas. Um, uh, if, if you'll recall that they had invited uh, schools to bring buses of kids and wear their jersey and kind of line up the funeral pr- procession. Um, I'm going to tell the story. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope coach Ferentz doesn't mind, but uh, I had dropped off our kids and our bus had, uh, or the, they, they had actually dropped me off uh, about a, a block or two from the church. There was just cars everywhere. And the bus driver was going to proceed down to the area where they wanted the players with their jerseys. And I was going to go in actually to the, to the funeral ceremony. And, and right as I'm walking up the, up the, the steps of the church, here came uh, Coach Ferentz and Coach Doyle, who'd driven up from, from Iowa City. And so, um, you know, we, we greeted each other. Um, uh, and and uh, as, we're, as we're entering the church, uh, Coach Ferentz says, well, well, coach, just, just, you're just going to come right on in. Just, just come in and sit with, sit, sit with us. And so here's this jam packed church. And, uh, uh, we, we go in and we kind of went in after everyone else was seated. And then there was, uh, there was a row right up towards the front there. And, uh, uh, they had that reserved for coach Ferentz and coach Doyle. And so I kind of in there and, and really felt like I was kind of out of place. I could really belong there. But after the after the ceremony was over, then we we uh, 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 left the left the church and went to Coach Doyle's vehicle. And uh, I had mentioned earlier that I had worked for for Don Knock at Kennedy, and he was a Parkersburg native. So I'd been in Parkersburg several times with with Coach Knock. And so Coach Ferris says, "What well, does?" Do you happen to know where the cemetery is? And because uh, we were going to go there for the graveside service, and and uh, I said, yeah, sure enough, if you just go up down this way, you know, we we can get you know pretty close. 
And so we got there and they had the streets blocked off. And so we actually had to get out of uh, uh, Coach Doyle's vehicle. And we were separated from the, the cemetery from a backyard with a with a fence. And so if you can even imagine this, uh, after that thing was over, um, we actually jumped over the fence, uh, two fences, actually. Uh, and and Coach, Coach Doyle and Coach Ferentz were in suits and ties. And I, I can't even imagine what the, the owners of that home would have thought had they had they looked outside and said, hey, can you believe who just Kirk Ferentz just jumped over the fence in our backyard oh my to God. get over to the cemetery? That's phenomenal. That's uh, uh, th- th- Coach, those are those are the stories we love to hear. Coach Thomas would have would have uh, uh, you know he he was just uh, just such a uh, just a legend just a just a giant of uh, amongst giants and uh, I can't I can't say that I was extremely close with him uh, I I was close enough to know that uh, that he was a tremendous influence and. Uh, um, I, I, you know, it's I, it w- one of the greatest things that could ever be said about somebody is years after their passing, the influence that they had is still resonating through the persons who are still working with kids and through the Ed Thomas Foundation, the family foundation there, uh, through the work that they're doing with character and leadership uh, through that foundation. Uh, Coach Thomas would be mighty, mighty proud of, of his family and how they've carried on. And for everybody else who's uh, contributing to his legacy. Well, I, I know that his uh, through the Ed Thomas Foundation, the their character and leadership classes, uh, seminars that they have are still uh, a hot ticket to get into. Uh, just a, a number of weeks ago, they had a, an opening. Uh, you know, at 8 a.m. you get on. And I remember I set my reminder and I logged on at like 8.05 and, and put in a request for, you know, a number of, I think, I think you could take like seven students yeah. to go up to it. And and uh, it was already sold out, you know, by and literally like minutes, you know, all the spots were filled. I mean, so they are, are having a tremendous impact on, you know, Iowa students, you know, in our state on a, on a yearly basis. And it's, it's just an amazing, amazing thing to see. I guess say, so I, I don't know that anybody could be able to re- recite the exact number of victories that he had, or e- even championships at this point in time. It's really about the legacy of the man, the impact he had on, on uh, others through, through his, through sport, through football. And uh, I, I just can't think of a, of a, of a better tribute to coach Thomas than that foundation, what they continue to do. Well, coaches, as I have taken some notes, I've got quite a bit here. Um, I, I've, I'm trying to clarify really how you develop purpose in your players as a leader. And and I think what I'm hearing is that it, there's uh, uh, several pieces I'm going to try to tie together. But first off, it starts with uh, striving for continuous improvement in everything that you do. And that, and that starts with getting out of your comfort zone yeah. um, as an individual. Uh, and then as, as, as an individual, um, if you're able to have a real meaningful experience created by the person that's leading you um, and shown through genuine affection, uh, you are able to understand what it really means to leave a legacy by serving others through the work that you do. I think that's, I think it's right on uh, coach. And 
you know, um, I, I guess I, I would offer, you know, just uh, uh, another example only because it, it kind of ties into Coach Hadachek and his idea of the of the Unity Council. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, and it also kind of ties in with that using the older players to kind of reach out to the younger players and bring them along and show them the way. Um, I, it, I, I was aware uh, when I was at Lewis Central, we had a, we had a young man who who suffered a, a, a pretty devastating, catastrophic uh, injury. Uh, he was one of our junior high kids, and uh, you know, again, just trying, always, always seeking to try to find that opportunity for kids to have that that experience. Um, I, I suggested that that we take a, a, a game ball and have everyone sign it. And then the mem- the senior members of the Unity Council that we had there at Lewis Central, um, I actually had called the house ahead of time and asked it be okay. Uh, but those those senior uh, Unity Council uh, players took that football, that signed football, over to that young man at home uh, while he was there. And again, I, I bet none of those none of those guys could tell you um, who we played that week or what the final score was. But I, I know they can tell you how much it meant to that young man. So uh, I guess just, yeah, coach, I, you know, I think that that's one of the messages I, I'd hope would be received by your listeners uh, from, from my contributions here to your, to your podcast is, is just always be on the lookout for opportunities to make that kind of impact. Well, coach, uh, you've certainly had an impact uh not only just in this short hour, but uh, on me as 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 a coach, as a person, as a man, um, I am um, I have been absolutely thrilled and honored to call you a friend um, and a mentor. And you know, I told you in a text, but I think it's important for people to hear. Um, one of your greatest strengths is the ability to create dynamic experience for those that you're you're around. Um, you truly understand what it means to be where your feet are. Um, and to give and live passionately for the work that you do. And uh, I don't think there's a better legacy that you can leave. And while nationally, Dwayne Orr, that's not a huge name, but in the state of Iowa and in the community that you're in, everybody knows who the hell Dwayne Orr is. And and to me, uh, that's the legacy uh, of a real leader. You, You have never cared about the title. Um, you've cared about the process and, and, and being the man that you, you want others to be. And I think your son is a perfect example of that. And, you know, I've, I've been, uh, honored to, uh, to call you a friend and mentor, uh, without a doubt. And, um, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us today. Well, coach, that's, I, I'm, I'm flattered. I, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm kind of speechless right now. That, that means so much, uh, coming from you and, and what you and Coach Mathis are doing here to contribute to the profession and and to make other coaches uh, reflect and and think about their programs and how to how to impact kids. Um, I've I've kind of devoted my entire life to the sport of football, and uh, um, I just uh, am blessed and honored to have been surrounded. Uh, by many of those who I mentioned, some I I haven't had the opportunity to mention tonight, but um, I think the future of Iowa high school football, if it's in the hands of Dwayne Mathis, Tim Lovell, and guys like you, uh, we're we're in we're in great shape. And uh, um, I 
you know, I just uh, thank you for what you're doing. Um, appreciate you for the for the person you are, um, uh, the professional, the the, the Christian husband, uh, uh, father, uh, uh, just uh, all around pro, um, and and person who can who can weather the the tough seasons and and deflect the praise on, on those great seasons that are surely uh, coming your way. So wish you all the very best. I, I, I'd be remiss if before we logged off if I didn't also, uh, you know, I just want to say a, a huge thank you to any of your listeners who might be uh, associated with healthcare workers uh, out there during this pandemic. I, I you know, the, these are these are some real heroes now. Um, folks who are doctors, nurses, EMTs, our police officers who are you know uh, emergency response people. Um, so just want to tip my cap and, and, uh, heartfelt thanks for all those people who are, uh, really at the, at the front of the ship here during these turbulent times. I couldn't agree more with you coach. And, and I, I want to obviously reiterate some of the things that coach level said, and, and, you know, I don't even know if you know this, but Tim and I are obviously pretty close, but, uh, a lot of the times, some of the things that you share with him. He, he passes along, you know, to me. And so I feel like I've, I've gotten some of those lessons from you without even having that uh, direct, direct connection. And, and some of the words that you've shared with him have, have provided comfort and help to me. And, and I, I can't thank you enough for, uh, you know, some of this advice that you've shared with us today and, and, you know, look forward to continuing to to learn from you and, and others, uh, you know, through this. So, you know, I just can't thank you enough for sharing uh, your insights today with us. So thank you very much. Well, I am flattered and humbled and, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity guys. Wish you all the very best. Thanks for coming on today, coach. Absolutely. Happy to help out. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. We are honored that you chose to spend your time with us. If you like the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform where you find your favorite podcasts. Let's keep chasing life, leadership, and greatness in all that we do. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.